0: It's always great to uh, hear Dan share and speak, and it's really great. I don't know if you agree with me that we've got Dan here on team with us and doing his thing. It's so good. And I'm so thankful to God that he's brought Dan and Bobby into this place in this moment. And uh, I'm always excited to hear you share. But should we pray that God would just be with him? in this moment as well. Yeah, Father, I thank you for Dan. I thank you for Bobby and I thank you for their beautiful children. I thank you, Father, that you've brought them into this place for such a time as this. And I just pray for Dan that uh, as he shares what you've put on his heart for us today, God, I I pray that you just give him clarity of thought. And uh, wisdom to share all that you uh, want us to hear in this place today. And I pray, Father, that we'll be challenged and enthused to just continue on our walk with you, God. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Kate. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you all. Uh, I just want to thank the worship team, actually, for the way you've led us last week and again today. Uh, in Martin's absence, you've done a tremendous job. So I just wanted to thank you guys. And uh, I don't know about any of you, but I've been blown away already this morning because um, some of the songs that we have sung today have been really significant in terms of what I want to speak about today. Carol's word was very significant for what I want to speak on. What Kate has shared has been significant. So I, I absolutely love it when God does that. You know, we haven't, none of us have our conversations about what's going on. We're just. We normally come in not having clear what's going to happen, do we? But we just follow the Holy Spirit and we go for it. So uh, that is great. But yeah, last week, as has already been mentioned, I'll just quickly recap for those of you who either weren't here or if anyone wasn't listening. This is your time to catch up. I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were. But this is your time to catch up. Uh, Last week, Bill spoke to us about our purpose and the importance of discovering what our purpose is as individuals and as followers of Jesus. And he said this, he said, when you know your why, your what becomes much more effective. When you know your why, your what becomes much more effective. And then he also asked us a couple of questions. He asked us, why do you follow Jesus? Not just why do you believe in Jesus because uh, actually it's relatively easy to believe in Jesus. The Bible tells us that even the demons believe in Jesus. But why do you actively choose to follow Jesus? Then he asks us a second question which was why do you go to church? Why do you come here? And uh, we were challenged to think about our why and to make sure that we understand what our why is and then Bill went on to say this he said setbacks are part of your setup but to understand what you're being set up for you need to know why you follow Jesus because that's your purpose in life and we had some Great conversations around that, uh, sat around our tables, and Bill wrapped it up by sharing some great thoughts for us to consider. And so this morning, I want us to really keep that in mind, because I want to build on it a little bit today. You see, last week, we looked at the importance of knowing our why, because as Bill said, our why makes our what more effective. And this week, just as I was reflecting on Bill's message and as I started to think about what I was going to share with you today, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the fact that our why actually sustains us during difficult seasons. When you know your why, when you know your purpose, that knowledge will sustain you and it'll help you to keep going when things get tough. And so I'm going to read to you this morning from Philippians chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you might want to turn there. And I'll quote as well a couple of other sections from Philippians. But chapter 1 is our focus. And the letter to the Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul. And he wrote Philippians when he was in prison. Now, we're not 100% sure where Paul was when he wrote the letter to the Philippians. Uh, Many scholars say that he was in prison in Rome. But then others say, no, no, he wasn't. He was probably in uh, Caesarea or Ephesus. So we're not entirely sure where he was. And in all honesty, uh, he was in prison a few times in a few different places. So there are plenty of possibilities as to where he may have been. But he was in prison... And uh, the reason that Paul was arrested so often, the reason that he found himself getting into trouble so frequently, was because Paul would often find that he would face some really fierce persecution for his faith in Jesus. And for Paul, rather than allow that persecution to silence him, he continued to preach the gospel. And he continued to do the work of God He continued to do what God had called him to do, regardless of what was thrown his way. He had such a a difficult life, having to deal with all of that persecution, having to deal with false arrest and false accusations. And throughout the book of Acts, we read a lot about him being uh, put on trial. We read about him getting up before the Sanhedrin, which was like the, uh, the Supreme Court of the time. And he got up to decept, not only to defend himself, but to defend his faith in Jesus Christ. He'd get up in the court and he'd proclaim the gospel, and he'd explain to them the fact that Jesus had died and risen from the dead. Even when he was on trial, and he really needed to start behaving himself, he just couldn't help himself. He couldn't stop telling people about Jesus. He was loud. I'm proud. He was an incredible man. He lived an incredible life, but it was a difficult life. And in fact it was probably a lot more difficult than any of us today can even begin to imagine. And so here he is, he's in prison again. He's awaiting trial and he has no idea what the result of that trial is going to be. It could even result in his execution. That would be entirely possible given the, the way that followers of Jesus were being treated at this time. But despite all of that, he writes to the church, he writes to the Christian believers in Philippi, and he says this, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through to 26. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, and to everyone else, that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, yet what shall I choose? I do not know, I am torn between the two, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Isn't that incredible? And you know what really struck me? From that is the fact that in the midst of this awful situation that he was facing, Paul has been imprisoned for his faith. He's been falsely accused. But he's not thinking about himself. It doesn't seem from reading this that he's even remotely worried about the circumstance he finds himself in. Instead of thinking about himself, Paul is thinking about the advancement of the gospel. Jesus and the advancement of the kingdom of God. He said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So what does it matter if I'm being persecuted? What does it matter if I'm being treated unfairly? What matters is that Christ Jesus is being proclaimed. That the life changing power of the gospel of Jesus is being shared. That people are continuing to come to faith in Jesus. That people are continuing to give their lives to Him. That's what is important. He said, I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. What we see there is that Paul's faith and his boldness in this situation has actually spurred on others rather than others seeing what's happened to him and and, and running in fear. His persecution is actually having a positive effect for the kingdom of God. And so, as far as Paul's concerned, nothing else matters to him. He said, I am put here for the defense of the gospel. That is why. That is why. That is why I'm here. I am here for the defense of the gospel. Paul is choosing to see purpose in this situation. He's choosing to see his why in the midst of this situation. That's what I want you to understand this morning. Now, try to put yourself in Paul's shoes for a moment. Imagine the police walk in here today and they arrest you because you're in church and because they've heard that you've been telling people about Jesus this week. And some people haven't liked it and they reported you to the police. And they've said, you know, he's stirring up trouble or she's stirring up trouble. And you've been arrested. And of course, we know that that happens in other parts of the world. But imagine that happened to you today. What would your reaction be? I think I'd be pretty furious. I think I'd be calling some lawyers. I think I'd be standing up for my human rights and demanding that I be released. So what did Paul say? Paul just shrugged his shoulders. I said, honestly, it's fine. It really doesn't matter because I'm here for a purpose. I'm here so that Christ Jesus might be proclaimed. I'm here for the defense of the gospel. And as long as that continues to happen, it doesn't matter what happens to me. I wish I had a faith that would respond in that way in that situation. But in all honesty, I'm not sure that that is the case. But Paul's main concern was still to exalt and glorify Jesus. The situation hadn't changed that. And so I want us to think about two questions this morning. First of all, what was Paul's why? And then secondly, how did Paul's why affect his what? How did Paul's why affect the way that he lived his life? So what was Paul's why? Why did Paul follow Jesus? Well, those of you who have been reading the Bible for some time will know that Paul was actually a persecutor of the Christian believers originally. His name wasn't always Paul. He used to be called Saul, and he and his family were actually Pharisees. The Pharisees were like an extreme Jewish religious group. And Paul grew up being taught to hate and oppose the followers of Jesus. He was present during the trial of Peter when Peter was facing persecution. And it's also believed that he was probably present during the stoning, the killing of Stephen. Stephen. Acts chapter 8 verse 3 speaks about Saul and it says Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So Paul hated the followers of, of Jesus. Paul opposed the church of Jesus. But one day everything changed for Saul. And in Acts chapter 9, we read of how he met with Jesus as he was traveling on the Damascus road. And it says in Acts chapter 9, that meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. But as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They had heard the sound, but did not see anyone. You see, Saul was pursuing the Christian believers but what Saul didn't realize was that Jesus was pursuing him Saul was pursuing the believers in order to persecute them and threaten them but Jesus was pursuing Saul in order to introduce him to the incredible love and grace and mercy that he has to offer and when he became a follower of Jesus, he took a new identity, just like all of us take a new identity when we make that decision to follow Jesus. And at some point, Paul, at Saul took the name Paul. And so that really was Paul's why. Because as Paul went about later in his life doing God's work, co-laboring with Jesus, being a bold witness for Jesus... I believe that Paul did what he did because he had had a, a radical encounter with Jesus. He'd heard the voice of God. He'd experienced God's power. He'd been sent on a mission and he'd been given an assignment. That was Paul's why. He'd heard, he'd experienced, he'd been sent. And he'd been given an assignment. He'd had a radical encounter with Jesus, which gave him direction and purpose in life. And so what was the result of that? What was the effect of Paul's why? How did Paul's why affect the way that he lived his life? Well, the first thing I wanted to say, and this is really the overarching theme of what I wanted to talk to you about this morning, is that Paul used his why to sustain him. Paul knew what his why was. And knowing his purpose sustained him to be able to keep going despite the challenges that he faced. But, you know, it didn't just help him to get through The circumstances that he faced but actually knowing his why knowing his purpose determined the manner in which he conducted himself during the circumstances that he faced in Philippians chapter 1 we read that Paul continued to live a life worthy of the gospel what that means is that he didn't let his standards slip He didn't use his earthly circumstances that he was facing as an excuse to live in a way that was displeasing in the eyes of God. He was determined to live a life that was worthy of the gospel, to live according to the word of God, to continue to imitate Jesus. And you know, often we can use our circumstances as an excuse, can't we? I know I've done that. We can say, well, yes, I I have been behaving poorly. I have had a bad attitude. I was rude to that person. But, you know, I've got a lot going on. I've got a lot on my plate. I'm really stressed at the moment. I'm not myself. So cut me some slack. I'm sure many of us have done that. I'm not pointing the finger at anyone other than myself there. But, you know, the example that Paul set for us is that he knew that he was called and chosen by God he had had a radical encounter with Jesus and he knew that from that day onwards he had to live differently he couldn't go on living the same way doing the same things there had to be that moment of repentance that moment of a change of direction where he would start to live his life differently and the same needs to be true for us and of course we all fail even I fail occasionally. I know it's hard to believe, but you'll have to take my word for that one. And Bobby will tell you it's true. We all fail. We all mess up. We all make bad decisions. We all make mistakes. But we must never use our difficult earthly circumstances as an excuse for living in a way that goes against the word of God. Because you and I all have a why We all have a purpose. Whether you're a follower of Jesus today or not, your life has a purpose. Your life has a significance to it. And hopefully by now, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're starting to to understand what that purpose is. And we need to take that. We need to allow our purpose to sustain us. Paul's why sustained him. And so, how else did Paul's why affect the way that he lived? Well, the second thing I wanted to say, and that I, I noted from these verses that I read, is that Paul refused to complain. Despite the fact that he was in prison for simply having a faith in Jesus, despite the fact that he was in chains, despite all of the false accusations, Paul refused to complain. In fact, what Paul did is he chose to see the positives of the situation. He said in verse 18 of the passage we read, What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. He said, Hey, I've been dealt a tough hand here. I've been placed in a sticky situation. There's no getting around that. But you know what? It doesn't even matter because Christ is still being preached. I'm in prison rubbing shoulders with people that I would never even meet probably if I wasn't here. And because they're locked up in prison with me, they can't escape. They've got to sit and listen to me. But actually, they do listen, and and they're inspired by my faith. That's what he said. And he said, the believers are inspired and spurred on. When they heard the, re- the positive reports of how Paul was doing in prison. And so Paul is saying, even though I am in chains, it doesn't matter because the, the gospel is still being proclaimed. And that's all that matters to me. Isn't that an incredible attitude to be able to adopt? When the rest of us would be complaining, Paul's rejoicing. He said, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Later on in his letter to the Philippians, he encourages the rest of the believers to adopt the same attitude. In chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing or complaining so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. I love how honest Paul was about the times that they were living in. He said, we're living in a warped and a crooked generation. Don't know back, Paul, honestly. Say say it as it is, it's fine. But you know, actually, if I'm really honest, I think some of the same stuff could be said about our land in our time. But despite what is going on around us, Paul tells us, stop complaining, stop grumbling, stop arguing. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Remember your purpose. Keep doing his work. Take your eyes off of the world. Take your eyes off of yourself and your own problems and look to Jesus. And that is hard. I'm not standing here to say that's an easy thing to do this morning. But that's what we've got to be aiming for. Look to Jesus. And actually Paul says that as long as we're still able to witness. And as long as we are still able to do whatever it is that God has called us to do. Then we're still victorious. We're still fulfilling our purpose. We're still able to rejoice whatever life is throws at us Paul used his why to sustain him and he refused to complain he turned what would have been his complaints into rejoicing and then finally Paul used his why to help him to keep an eternal perspective As we read further on into Paul's letter to the Philippians, we see Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 to 21 that Paul says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies. will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Paul talks there about how for us as believers, though we may face all sorts of trials and difficulties on this earth, and we will, I'm sure I don't need to tell you that, but though we face those things, we don't belong here. This isn't our final destination. Our citizenship is in heaven. He said, we eagerly await that day when Jesus will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. One day we will be with Jesus in heaven for all eternity. And when we go there, these earthly bodies, as we know them, aren't going with us. We're going to have new resurrection bodies. I'm praying that mine's going to be muscular with large biceps and a flatter stomach. You know, to wait and see. But we are going to be with Jesus for eternity. And you know, one thing I would say on that is that That isn't a reason for us to hide ourselves away, as I think we can do if we're not careful. It's not a reason to bury our heads in the sand, to lock ourselves away and just wait for Jesus to come and rescue us from this horrible world. But actually, it's supposed to be the opposite of that. If we read Paul's words carefully. It's supposed to be a motivation to keep going, to keep working, to keep sharing To do all that we can do to make sure that as many people as possible come with us when we go to heaven. That's our job. We're not sitting and waiting, idle for the return of Jesus. Hoping that he comes this second because I'm fed up of living in this world. I long to be in heaven with Jesus. But until that day, we've got work to do. We can't afford to give up when the going gets tough. Because the reality is lives are at stake. You know, I really think that we need to rediscover our urgency in the church for seeing salvation. I spoke a few weeks ago um, with some of the staff in our team meeting about this. And I hope you don't mind me being really honest and calling a, a spade a spade for a moment. But the fact of the matter is that there is a community out there. A community of people, some of them know Jesus. At the moment, I'd say most of them don't. That's what the statistics would tell us. And there are people out there who are headed for an eternity spent somewhere that isn't heaven. We don't often speak about that anymore, probably because of the damage that's been done by people who have done it in the wrong way in the past. But that is a reality that we need to keep in our minds and by witnessing to those people by sharing the love of Jesus with those people with words and with acts of service we have the opportunity to change that that's the good news and of course we need to do that really sensitively we need to do it wisely we should do it strategically there are plenty of bad examples out there of how not to do it so we don't want to follow them we want to do it really well but oh, my goodness, we've got to do something. Doing nothing just is not an option in this. You see, having an eternal perspective isn't all about me. It's not just about me knowing and being confident in where I'm going when I die. Yeah, that's, that's a part of it. In many ways, that's an important part of it. But I need to be looking at my friends my family members, my colleagues who don't yet know Jesus. And I need to be looking at them with an eternal perspective and with a longing in my heart to see them come to know Jesus. That's our purpose. I, I think we've lost that urgency. Just being really honest, in, in my own personal reflection recently, I think that probably I've lost that urgency. In many ways. But come on, we've got to get it back. We've got to get it back. Urgency for salvation, urgency to see people come to know Jesus. Paul said, For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is by far better. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. I love that phrase. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh, how I'd love to go and be with Jesus. And that day is coming at some point for us all. But right now, whilst we're alive, whilst we're kicking, whilst there's breath in our lungs, our work is never complete. And so with our eyes on Jesus, and with the wonderful eternal hope that we have kept in the forefront of our minds, we move forward. We continue to serve. We continue to love. We continue to labor. We continue to share Jesus. It says in Philippians 3 verse 13, and I close with this. Paul says, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul used his why to sustain him. He refused to complain. Instead of complaining, he rejoiced. And he used his why to help him to keep an eternal perspective. And, you know, I think that we could probably only truly rejoice in our trials, in our difficulties, if we know our why, if we know our purpose, if we know what we are called to do and to continue to do regardless of what life throws at us. I think we can only keep that eternal perspective when we remember our purpose. We can only be truly sustained through the struggles and the circumstances when we remember our purpose. So back to what Bill said and asked us last week. What's your way? What's your purpose? Why do you follow Jesus? I can't answer that for you. You need to discover your why. And you need to allow it to sustain you. Shall we pray before I hand back over? Lord Jesus, I just ask that you would help us. That you would sustain us. That you would keep us. perhaps there are some people in the room today and you're thinking I don't know what my why is I don't know what my purpose is maybe because that's maybe that's because you haven't been in a relationship with Jesus for very long and you're still discovering things maybe you've been going to church and following Jesus for years and years and years but you're struggling to see that that clarity in your mind What? Is my purpose? What is my why? What am I here for? Father, I ask that you would speak to us. I ask that you would speak to us. That we would understand the incredible significance of our lives. That we would know what you are calling us to do. That we would know our why. And our why would drive us. In a way that will help us to keep going. Whatever life throws at us Father I thank you for the fact that when we know our why we can submit to your lordship whatever goes on that like Paul said and like Paul did what he practiced that we would be able to stand whatever life throws at us And say this is really difficult and I don't even know how I'm going to do it. But I will keep going. I will keep laboring. I will keep doing what God has called me to do. Because I know my purpose. And if I don't have that, I don't have anything. But I'm living for Jesus. And I know, as we sang earlier, that through the storm, he is Lord lord of all so would you help us as we keep our minds fixed on you and our god ordained purpose would you help us to keep going would you help us not to quit would you give us the strength and the energy would you surround us with people who can help us and remind us of our why and remind us of our purpose I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.